and welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Outsiders Podcast. I am your host, Emerson Whitner, joined as always on the line by my brother, Brian. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Oh, Peachy, just so you know, you asked up the intro there. Good job going yeah. on for the music hit. I, uh, the music didn't start playing like it's supposed to, so I wasn't sure, so I'll have to edit that one out later. Yes, um, can we edit this? Yes, yes, I can. Um, now, uh, we are, of course, not going to be reviewing any pay-per-views tonight because we are joined on the line by the co-author of The Death of WCW, the uh, the editor of the Figure Four Weekly Newsletter, the emperor of the F4W Empire, Brian Alvarez, joins us on the line. Uh, Brian, how are you doing tonight? Hello? Oh, crap, did we lose him? Bri- I don't know. I'm here. Brian? Oh, oh, I'm here. I'm sorry. Somehow you went on to hold there when uh, the show started. Wow. Um, well, welcome. Um, sorry for all that. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. Um, so we wanted to get you on because, you know, the Death of WCW, the 10th anniversary edition, is coming out in October. Um, and... You know, as somebody who read The Death of WCW way back when and still has his copy, I'm really looking forward to this expanded edition. Um, what was the process that led you into writing the uh, updated and revised edition? Well, the process was, uh, I, I can't remember if, I think I contacted RD. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I seem to recall that it may have been my doing. Uh, I we wrote the book a long time ago, obviously ten years ago, and and ten years ago, uh, it was a very different world in terms of of wrestling books. You had a, a couple of books that did really well, like Mick Foley's book, but there weren't a lot of other wrestling books, and so uh, we we got the death of WCW deal because uh, RD had written WrestleCraft, which ended up doing pretty well, and so they said you want to do another book, and he contacted me, and the rest was history, but. They they had a very uh, specific word limit back then because we were still kind of just getting out of the period where they thought that uh, wrestling fans couldn't read. So we uh, we wrote this big book and then they they cut it in half and uh, it went out published like that. So I had kind of uh, I I think what happened was I got a book about the NWA and it was gigantic, it was like 500 pages or something. And I was like, man, if only we'd written the book like today. All of this, all of this uh, information we could put in. So I got to thinking about it, and it was almost ten years. So I guess I, I contacted RD and suggested, you know, what do you think about maybe talking to them about doing a ten-year anniversary edition? And uh, the next thing you know, we're writing a ten-year anniversary edition and putting all that stuff back in that we cut out. And new book will be about five hundred pages long. So uh, wow. if you enjoyed the first one, you're going to get the uh, director's cut here with uh, new information as well. Nice. Nice. Um, now, I, I unfortunately have not read the book that much in, like, the last couple of years. Um, I did briefly skim it when uh, Emerson first bought it, so I'm not quite exactly sure what's all in there, so just feel free to uh, inform me on stuff along the way. Well, um, sure. you believe, it, it's... Go ahead, uh, if you believe If you believe Twitter... Um, 
Vince Russo was the person that uh, single-handedly killed WCW. That's what Brian wrote. Nothing else, mm-hmm. nothing more. Um, that's exactly what he wrote then. And it wasn't Jamie Calvary. I agree with that statement like, 100%. <laughs> and I'm being sarcastic. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was Jamie Kellner canceling WCW at the end that ultimately was the death of WCW. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was no, uh, Vince Russo certainly did not help at all. In fact, uh, by the time he was done with it on his second run, I think it was pretty much uh, uh, DOA. But mm-hmm. there's there's really there, there's so many people you you could make an argument for a, a number of people I mean there's no one person if you wanted to uh, argue that it was Eric Bischoff or not learning any any lessons or if you wanted to say it was Hulk Hogan or Kevin Nash or or Kevin Sullivan I mean there, there's a million people you can point the finger at uh, there's there's no one person it was a it was a it was a group. Uh, assassination of uh, WCW, a, 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 a grand conspiracy, uh, perhaps. But uh, a lot of people were involved. There, there's no one person you can really blame, but but certainly Russo would be uh, high on the list of uh, uh, people to point a finger at. This is true. Now, uh, you said for years that you never write another book, so uh, why did you end up writing this one? Well, I uh, I decided that, listen, we're not rewriting a book. Uh, much of it will yeah. be just uh, putting out what we uh, are putting in what we had taken out. So uh, a lot of the new material is material that was supposed to be in the first book, but they eliminated. So okay. really, the the new writing that I did was I, I I did a lot of expansion. Like I really expanded the uh, the first chapter, the pre nineteen ninety five chapter. I, I really expanded that. Uh, greatly expanded the year 2000 section, wrote a, a new chapter on TNA, uh, Dave wrote a brand new forward. So there is a lot of new, recently written material, but there, there was nowhere near what I had to write the first time. Uh, and a lot of it was just uh, putting the stuff back in that nearly killed me that first time. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, now, you know, sort of veering off subject a bit, um, you know, people who listen to your podcast frequently will remember that Ultimate Warrior was the guy that helped get you into watching the WWF way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, do you remember what, if anything, got you into watching WCW slash Jim Crockett promotions, or was it just you were a wrestling fan, it was wrestling on TV, and why not watch it? I don't even remember when I first watched uh, WCW, NWA, um, you know, I don't even remember when I first started watching WWE because now that the uh, the network has has come about, you know, there there's a lot of uh, stuff on there that I, I look back on and it's like I remember this, but like had I not seen it, I wouldn't have remembered that I saw it the first time. Like my earliest, my what I thought for years was my earliest memory of wrestling was a uh, a Warrior Dino Bravo match, and and once I got the network and I I actually found that match. I realized that, wait a second, I was watching wrestling long before this particular match right here. I don't know if maybe I just rewatched this match like 50 times or what, but when, when we go through like old Clash of the Champions and, and uh, I'm, I'm sure if they ever put up some old WCW Saturday night or whatever, Back you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm going to remember. So I, I started watching probably around 87, 
And my, my mm-hmm. 86, 87, and then my first real vivid memories were around 88, 89. What, um, and this may not be in the one, but is the Warrior Dino Bravo match the one on um, the main event after Hogan and yes. Savage with... Okay. Yeah, the one setting up uh, Mania 6. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, at the end of the day, Hogan was both the best and the worst thing to happen to WCW? Uh, I don't know if I could say he was ever really the worst thing that could happen to WCW. It wasn't Hogan's fault that they just... I mean, he had creative control, so I guess to a degree it actually was his fault. But, you know, he when he came in in, in 94, I mean, he really did blow them up. He was a, a giant uh, draw. He was a pay-per-view draw. He was a house show draw. He was a television ratings draw. He was a big draw for the company. So was uh, Savage. So was Flair. Um, you know, the best thing that ever happened to WCW was Ted Turner. You know, when he just bought it and refused to let it die for over a decade. Uh, really, there's one thing that was the best thing that ever happened to them. It was, it was that. Hogan was obviously a really big deal. Was he the worst thing that ever happened to it? Uh... No, um, you know, I, I, I hate to use this because it's the excuse a lot of wrestlers used for why it died, but one of the uh, worst things that ever happened was when uh, Ted Turner lost power because then when, when Ted Turner was in control, it was never going to die. And, and when Ted Turner lost control, well, uh, then it was open to death. But to look at it simplistically like Kevin Nash and others have, and just say, oh, the whole reason it went down was the AOL Time Warner merger. It has nothing to do with it. You know, uh, it, it was the guys that booked it into oblivion. If, if, if this would have been a successful company in 2001, it would be alive today. Uh, the reason that it got uh, axed uh, when Ted Turner was, was removed from power was because it was losing $80 million. So, you know, it, it, it's looking at it too simplistically to blame AOL Time Warner when in reality uh, you, 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 they were just a business. They were looking at, you know, what was making money, what wasn't. And if, if WCW was as, as successful in 2001 as it was in 97, they wouldn't have been axed. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's the real issue. Sure. Um, why do you think Eric Bischoff never pulled the trigger on a sustained Bret Hart main event push? On a sustained Bret Hart main event push? Yeah. I don't know. I uh, I mean, he he came in super hot. He came in super yeah. hot after the uh, the Survivor Series. And uh, I, I don't know who was in Eric's ear. Uh, he, you know, they had the, the Fair Bret match on pay-per-view that did, like, really well. And yeah. it did really well, and then they stopped pushing him. So somebody must have, have been in, in Bischoff's ear and just said, like, uh, you know, let's let's put the brakes on this one here. I, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, Bret Hart was one of, like, a million guys that came in and, and ended up being underutilized. Uh, you, you know, during that period, if you weren't uh, a buddy of a Hulk Hogan or a, a Bischoff or whatever, I mean, you were, you yep. were probably going to be in, in trouble. So, yep. you know, I, I think that that's probably the uh, the gist of it. I agree with that comment completely at the end there. Um, and then, uh, why do you think Eric Bischoff never tried to push someone new to the moon before everything came crumbling down? Well, I mean, he did He did do a good job with Goldberg until they neutered him. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that that's the closest that he came to actually creating a new star. And and really, I mean, it, it, it's a miracle in hindsight that they didn't screw up Goldberg earlier than they did. Um, mm. You know, he... Uh, again, it was it was a lot of politics. You know, Hogan had made the the deal of okay, I'll put Goldberg over, but then I'm going to beat Goldberg in the end. And and who in their right mind would have thought it was a good idea for for Goldberg's first loss to be to Hulk Hogan during that period? Ridiculous. But they'd agreed yeah. to that, and then obviously it ended up with Kevin Nash getting it, so they screwed it up. But Bischoff had a a, a mindset, uh, really, with the exception of Goldberg that if you had not been a big-time WWE star, uh, WWF star, then, uh, then really you, you'd never proven that you could draw. You'd never proven anything. And so, and so virtually everybody that he pushed to the very top, uh, with the exception of, of, like I said, Goldberg and, and DDP to a degree, who was a, mm-hmm. a friend of, of Eric's, I mean, it was all you had to have been a success elsewhere, or uh, you really didn't have a chance to break through. And it's funny because it's the exact same thing in TNA today. Uh, their head of creative uh, got his job because he worked in WWE. That was his entire – he had no creative experience whatsoever, but he worked for WWE, so he got a job. You can look up and down their roster, and, and the guys that have really been successful in TNA, who have really been pushed the hardest, all guys that have been made uh, their name elsewhere, whether it was WCW, WWE, or whatever. So it's just something that I, I don't know why people do it in wrestling, but they do. If you weren't made in WWE, you can't be a star. Yeah. And going to Big John, it's almost uh, amazing that they never tried over the years to try to get, like, Gabe Sapolsky, or when Jim Cornette was there, tried to give him a bigger role. It was always either Russo or um, now Big John that seems to be uh, steering the ship for the most part, then, well, we see how that's been turning out. Well, look at the Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Brian? Go ahead. Now, I have a quick question. Um, who do you think should have ended Goldberg's streak? If it wasn't Nash, who do you think would have? Or who do you think should have ended Goldberg's streak? Well, I mean, it's impossible. You you can't even say because they never they never made Goldberg into the guy. I mean, even immediately after he won the title, he was still never the guy. The guy was still Hogan. The guy was still, you know, Goldberg was always a secondary character. So, in any in any promotion, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to let the guy go first. You got you you got to try to make him the top guy. And you'll know mm-hmm. when the guy is coming along that should be the guy to beat him. And first off, Goldberg was never even really given the ball. They gave him the belt, but he was he was never the guy. And yeah. and they shouldn't even been been planning like who's going to beat him. You know, to, uh, to yeah. plan like 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 to give him the belt with the plan that down the road you're going to lose it to Hogan. It's like, well, what if that's not yeah. a good idea? What 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 if that's the wrong guy? What if there's a better guy? You should, never should have made the agreement in the first place. Okay. I, I remember I was thinking Paige should have beaten him at Halloween Havoc that year, but yeah. I, I don't know if that would have been better or worse than Nash, to be honest with you. Um, uh, Nash you know, was go- worse because of the way that they did it. Yeah. Yeah, if you would have beat him, like, straight up, it would have been completely different. But, I mean, I guess they had to keep, like, Goldberg, like, the big, tough, macho guy, kind of like they're doing with Bray Wyatt when he lost to CMAT. But uh, the last pay-per-view, what was it? I forget. 
Payback. Uh, uh, payback, yeah. Like, Cena beat him, but it still made Bray White look strong. So I guess they're kind of going for something like that, maybe, is what I would say. Um, uh, well, going back to uh, Vince Russo, your good friend and buddy, um, I don't know if you remember this far back, but when he first signed with WCW way back in 99, do you remember what your thoughts were of this guy who allegedly helped turn the WWF around, or did in his mind, coming over now to try to save WCW? Were you thinking, you know, this could be a good thing, or were you thinking, ugh, this, like, he, don't know if his style of writing will work with, in this environment? I seem to recall that when, when they announced that he was coming over, I was, I was, uh, I was open to it uh, in the sense that uh, I didn't know anything about what he was capable of doing. You know, th- th- there was, I mean, he was a great self-promoter, but I, I, I was always like, okay, I'll give the guy a chance. But I didn't really know if what he was saying was true. And and then, you know, years later when you when you interview everybody who was there during that period, they'll tell you that, in fact, uh, much of what he was saying was not true. Uh, he was a great idea guy. Uh, he, he, you know, he had a lot of very interesting ideas, but he didn't understand wrestling. So he was a, he was a good guy to, to pitch new, different ideas at Vince McMahon. And then Vince would think about it like a wrestling promoter. And he would think, okay, does this make sense, blah, blah, blah. And, and the good ideas would end up on, on WWE television. And the bad ideas uh, actually ended up in WCW, is what happened. Uh, there, there were people that noted that a lot of the stupid stuff that you saw when Russo went to WCW were ideas that he had come up with in WWF that Vince had said, no, we're not going to do that. So he was a guy that needed an editor. But at the time, nobody knew that. All they knew was, here's this guy. He just left. He's taken credit for an entire era, which sounded too good to be true, but you never know. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see how this goes. And it was pretty evident within a few weeks that, boy, uh, something ain't right here. Uh, this is not jiving with what he had uh, talked about on his, on his way out of WWE. So I gave it a chance. I gave everything a chance. I gave Slammiversary a chance after I boycotted Impact. And it ended up paying off. So, you know, uh, he he sold a bill of goods that at the end of the day uh, was not exactly what had been advertised. I remember um, I went back and rewatched some of those 1999 three-hour nitros, and there was one in November, and I couldn't tell you now what was even on the show, much less the date, but there was like 14 matches, and it just kept going on and on and on. And there were 14, like, five-minute matches. So in between, you have the 5,000 angles to go along with your 14 five-minute matches. And by the time it ended, I felt I'd aged two years. Oh, yeah. That was his deal, Crash TV. Sucked. Um, how long did it take you to realize to realize that um, the whole Russo experiment wouldn't work in WCW. I mean, it was pretty clear in a few weeks that things were, this was not going to turn the company around, and this was not going to help. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how bad it was. I mean, you know, when, when he was first removed, it was kind of like, wow, that was bad. But yeah. let's see who they got next. And then he came back and they did that, that thing with uh, him and, and Bischoff, 
And and then at, at that time it was just clear, like, oh my god. And then when he was gone, it was sort of like, yep, there's no coming back from this one. They'll bring in some guys, but you know, I didn't think it was. I didn't think when he was done, it was going to die. But it was pretty mm-hmm. clear when he was done that I mean, this thing ain't turning around and beating WWE probably ever again. It's just going to linger on as as a Turner property forever. But you know, it's going to be very difficult to make this a success after this run. And uh, and that actually, in in fact, it did die. Um, now we sort of tapped into this, but um, and especially just now. But do you think that if WCW could have gotten their listen, this is a two-part question. But if WCW could have gotten their losses under control, do you think it could have been salvaged after Vince Russo, or going into 2014, can TNA be salvaged now that, especially after six years of Vince Russo and lower and lower buy rates to the point that they only run four live shows a year and don't do a whole lot? What, of what do you mean by uh, what do you mean by salvaged? I mean, could they, maybe not like WCW going be back to doing, not, well, maybe not so much that, but so much like, could WCW have gone back to being, if not a profitable business, going back to being the, doing decent ratings, doing decent pay-per-view buys, you know, be, not having an embarrassing looking television where you're doing a couple thousand people, but still booking a 20,000 seat arena to put these couple thousand people in. I guess so so like is that. the question, can, can can TNA do it? Um, can't, well, it was sort of, and I sort of back, uh, answered, asked this weirdly, but like, could WCW have reclaimed that spot, and can TNA sort of now get out of the funk of the post-Russo era at this point, which I, um, yeah, I tried to lump two questions in one, which wasn't a good idea, but, um, Sorry. Well, I mean, the 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 uh, with TNA, I mean, Spike Spike doesn't care if the show sucks. Uh, they don't care if if they're drawing two hundred people to a baseball stadium. They don't care. So <laughs> as long as 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 long as Impact can draw a million viewers a week, you know, they'll probably get a renewal. So if you can if you can keep your costs low, you know, they can linger on for. I mean, we could be here in 10 years still talking about TNA. They can linger on, as long as they got a, a television deal and they're making a little bit of money and they keep costs down. I mean, they can linger on. Will they ever challenge WWE? Absolutely not. It's, it's impossible, I think. I, I would go as far as say it is impossible that TNA will ever uh, uh, challenge WWE. Uh, could W? I mean, WCW, they could have done a, a massive... Uh, they, they would. I, I don't think they could have ever rivaled WWE, but they could have. They could have survived. You know, they could have. They could have cut a bunch of guys. At one point, they had like 450 guys in their contract, some of whom were being paid tons of money and never even showed up on television. You know, they they, they could have axed a bunch of guys. They could have cut a bunch of costs. They. Uh, I mean, they they could have survived, but. Um, you know, it was a different business. I mean, today, today TNA can survive because they can get X amount of dollars for a, a domestic TV deal and some international television deals. It wasn't about uh, international television deals uh, and, and domestic deals back in 2001. You know, uh, it was a different business. Television was different. I mean, they were making their money off pay-per-views. 
They were making their money off house shows. Uh, they were making their money off advertising. There, there were different, different revenue streams. So, so it's, it's a different comparison to go with uh, WCW then and TNA today. So, I mean, I, I, I think with a smart... I mean, there, there were 2.5 million people still watching the, the TV at the end. I mean, a smart guy should have been able to build up your pay-per-view buys so that they were at least not losing money and, and make a little money here, make a little money there, cut some costs here. It could have survived, but uh, it, it was just a, it was a different business model, and it collapsed too fast. Completely understand that. I remember, and I was reminded because I read some old uh, Figure Four Weeklies before we did the show, um, at one point in 2001, now coming off the year where they lost $80 million, WCW is still doing stupid things, like they had a, um, a feud with Canyon and the Cat. I don't know if you even remember this, but on an episode of Thunder, um, on an episode of Thunder, they had Canyon destroy um, Ernest Miller's limousine. And I can only imagine how much a limousine cost, and and really did that add one iota to a feud between Chris Canyon and Ernest Miller? Nothing. They, they, did, they destroyed vehicles all the time. I don't even know why. I, I, I have no idea what it was with destroying vehicles, but they destroyed many a vehicle, and it meant nothing. Because Steve Austin got a big pop when he ran over the Rock's car when uh, he was in that monster truck that time. So obviously That's right. Canyon That's right. Do the same. Mm-hmm. Hi, Brian. Uh, why do you think people are so pro-Russo and seemingly can't see any faults with his writing? Ooh. Well, I mean, you always see... I, I, uh, you always see people on the Internet who are like, oh, Vince Russo, greatest thing since sliced bread, and you, Dave, etc., are just biased against him. I don't know what their thoughts are, but... Well, I, I, I think that those people are in the, uh, the minority. I, I rarely hear from them. Uh, and and they're wrong. <laughs> no one else to say. Uh, you know, it, it's it's we're not even talking like a difference of opinion. Like, uh, were his television shows good or not? Okay, if you want to argue whether his shows were good or not, I don't care. Because if you thought they were good, fine. I thought they sucked, fine. It's an opinion. However, what is not an opinion is when you go back and you look at his his run. And whether or not his ratings went up when he was there, and, and if, you, if you break down the week-by-week week ratings, uh, they did not go up when he was there. They went very slightly down. But let's just pretend that they did, in fact, go up like he claimed. At the end of the day, what did that matter? They didn't make a single dime off the rating going up. Whether it went up or not, they didn't make a dime off of it. But you know what happened when he was there? House show business collapsed. Pay-per-view business collapsed. They started losing money hand over fist. So, you know, if, if, if he booked some television that I thought sucked, but it turned the business around, then you can say, Brian has no idea what he's talking about. He's, he's biased. Uh, the TV was great. Here, here are the numbers. But you know what? That's not what happened. The opposite happened. So when, when we look at the facts of the situation, he was unsuccessful. If you want to argue that, that your opinion of the television show is, is, is different than mine and that I'm wrong and you're right, you know, fine. Uh, everyone has an opinion about a television show. But, but the actual hard numbers show that what he did was not a success in any way. 
Um, okay. Now, uh, do you uh, have any fa- – uh, this is sort of a weird question, but do you have any favorite bad WCW matches or bad WCW moments that you just sort of laugh at going, I can't believe they would do that, but I can't – I just enjoy watching it and laughing at it, for instance? Uh, WWE had a thing on the network. I, I can't remember what it was like a countdown or something like that. Maybe it was worst promo. I don't remember what it was. But they, they had a, a, a montage of Sid promos. And they were so awesomely bad. Uh, awesomely bad. So, I mean, there was some funny stuff. I mean, you can always find funny stuff to write about when something sucks. But, um, you know, I used to laugh at Thunder and cry. It was a really rough time. But, uh... Yeah, there was lots of funny stuff. Uh, that that promo where uh, somebody was talking about one of the Harris twins and how his head almost fell off, and Hogan yelling at the wall when he was on top of a building two miles away. Somehow he could see him, uh, even though he wears glasses in real life. There's a lot of funny stuff in WCW. The book is chock full of, of funny moments. But uh, funny don't draw money, as they say. Nope. You wonder how some of it like made it on the air. Like, you think someone would be there saying, you know what, this was... I know like the Hogan thing was live, but for instance, the Harris Twins one. You think someone would sit there and be like, yeah, let's do that again and try not to have it Dude, they, they they have no show most Thursday nights. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, weird question, do you ever miss WCW? No. <laughs> I don't. Dude, there's so much. There's so much stuff on television. I mean, oh, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, hour of NXT, two hours of Impact if you actually watch it. All of this UFC, <laughs> all of these pay-per-views. I don't need another WCW right now. I, I, I've got more than enough. Just wait till GSW starts. Um, that's gonna be yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. What was that? Is that gonna be RTV GSW? Do they have a TV deal yet with anyone? Does anyone know? Uh, nothing, not. nothing has been announced yet. I don't think so. Now, do you think as a wrestling fan, we're spoiled by the good matches that we see on free TV? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big problem. I mean, uh, WCW became a success because they were giving people what they weren't getting in, in WWF. You know, WWF is a bunch mm. of cartoony, goofy gimmicks and and bad matches, and, and this and that, and, and WCW ended up giving them... you got to realize there was a whole generation of little kids that watched WWF in the 80s and then quit, and one day they turn on, on Nitro, and, and there's all those guys they grew up with. Hogan, yeah. Savage is there, Flair, all these guys. So And on the undercard, there was, there was all this fast-paced wrestling that you couldn't get with WWF, so WCW had the advantage of, of having a lot of things that were better than what WWF was, was giving at the time. What is anybody today going to give that is better than, than WWE? I mean, no matter what you think of the booking or anything like that, I mean, the best promos are in WWE. The best wrestling is in WWE. Uh, WWE mm-hmm. has the best production. I mean, th- I can't think of anything that another promotion is going to give you that is better than what you can get when you, when you pick and choose what WWE show you're going to watch. Yeah. Um, sort of now uh, jumping around a little bit uh, while we have some time left. Do you remember if you were into UFC from the very beginning, or was it something you got into 
once they started picking up steam in the mid-90s? I started watching uh, regularly um, starting when I started the newsletter. So I, I was watching regularly by 1995, but I, I did see the, the earlier shows. I remember, I think the first pay-per-view I bought was UFC 5. And I had watched uh, some of the earlier UFCs at my brother-in-law's house. Tony was a UFC fan from uh, from day one. But I, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was UFC 5 that had, it may have been 6, the one that had the Shamrock Severn uh, debacle. Uh, I did buy mm. that one. And from that point on, I bought virtually every single one I I remember, like, uh, the Don Fry Tank Abbott Ultimate Ultimate Match and all that stuff from the very beginning. So, yeah, I, I've watched it from... Uh, I didn't start at the very beginning, but I, I've since seen the ones that, that uh, I didn't see at the beginning. But from about UFC 5 on, uh, I've seen virtually every single UFC. I like that you watched the really bad UFC Shamrock Severn fight, and you're like, you know what, I need to watch more of this. And... Oh, yeah. watch it. it's in, well, I had I, seen a little before, but I remember that one in particular. It was just like, wow, that was horrible. That lasted, what, like a minute? A minute and a half, wasn't it? No, that, no, that was the one that went, that was the one that went like they never 30 touched. minutes. Yeah. And, oh, they, yeah. and they never touched. Right? Um, what got you into Jiu-Jitsu? Just, just uh, I started it because I'd been, I, I, I was always a fan of uh, the uh, the technical wrestlers like Bret Hart and Mm-hmm. And uh, and Shawn Michaels and what you know when I was wrestling I always liked to do the chain wrestling and that sort of thing so I always liked uh-huh. wrestling and and so uh, when I uh, when I was starting to do a little bit less wrestling uh, this was right around when UFC was really starting to uh, take off uh, their second big wave in the mid 2000s uh, I was I was living in Linwood and I I just Googled uh, Linwood Jujitsu. And there was a, a local school there, and I went out there, and I started, and I never stopped. Nice. Uh, and now you're a black belt now, I believe? Uh, not yet. Brown belt, uh, three stripes. Okay, well, congratulations on that. Good luck whenever you uh, do take your black belt test. Um yeah. Do you remember uh, what led you into writing a newsletter, and how has it evolved into what we have now with the F4W online website, um, with you and Dave merging back in 08? Well, I I I'd always when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a writer, and uh, and so when I when I got out of high school, I I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was uh, all I wanted to do really was wrestle, but uh, I went to community college. I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't care. Uh, and I took English, and I got an A. And so I was like, well, I can quit college now. I don't need a degree <laughs> to be a writer. So I pretty much had it set in my mind that I was going to be a, a writer. But I also wanted to have, because my dad owned a fence company. And so I always knew, I want to be a writer, but I also want to run my own business. And so I was always looking at different possible businesses that I could run based on what I like to do. And uh, I, I, I saw the Pro Wrestling Illustrated newsletter, and I thought, God, I paid forty bucks a year for this. What, what, what if like I wonder how many people order this thing? And I started like doing the math, and I thought, man, if I could get a newsletter, and they're going to pay me forty dollars a year, and I can get a thousand people, that's forty thousand dollars a year. Well, I, I, I'd, I'd have it made. 
So I uh, we had a newsletter for our local wrestling group, and after that got shut down, I, I told everybody it was going to become like a, a new weekly wrestling newsletter, and if they wanted to uh, sign up, they, they'd have to pay uh, $39.95 a month, or a year, $39.95 a year. So I think 30 people, 37 people or something like that, ended up uh, taking me up on it. So I had, uh, I guess annually at that point, I was making $1,200. So uh, it was still uh, a business. So I did that, and I coached gymnastics on the side, and uh, I just kind of built it up from there. And then around 2005, we went online to save on postage because postage was just killing us. And uh, then the online thing really took off, and it was big enough by 2008 that I asked Dave if he wanted to uh, come online with us, and he had a bad experience online in like uh, 99, 2000. And so he thought that there was no way uh, the Observer could go online, it would fail. But uh, because our site had become a big success, he realized, huh, maybe it will work. So uh, he came online, and, and uh, the next thing you know, we had the combined website, and it's doing great today. Do you remember what the problem was that uh, led Dave to have a sour taste with online? Well, the, the the website had been made for us, and it sucked. And uh, I, I, I I have very little memory of it. I, I think the newsletters ended up being pirated everywhere, and it was just a, it was bad. And and um, and it was just the newsletters. So, you know, I I had I'd always wanted to be a writer, but then in the mid '90s, when I started listening to Art Bell, I decided that I wanted to be a radio show host. And so we we did the Iata show. And after that went down, I just kept doing the show on Sports Byline. And uh, mm. when we when we did our website, it wasn't just the newsletter. We started doing the audio shows, and we started putting the audio shows on iTunes. And we had tons of people that they didn't even know what the newsletter was. They'd never heard of it, but they'd heard our shows for free because they were searching wrestling on iTunes, came across our show, liked it, and and then signed up. And so... We, we got a bunch of people there uh, because of the audio. And so we started having Dave on the show once a week, and then when he came on board, he was doing like, uh, you know, three shows a week. So the newsletter is a big part of it. The audio is a big part of it. I think for some people the board is a big part of it. It's all just one big package, and it's kind of harder to uh, pirate the whole package. It's easier to just subscribe and have it all there for you. Like the network, you can uh, the WWE Network, you always find – I'm sure you can always find all the things on there on YouTube or wherever, but it's not as easy as at all being at the push of a button, not uh, your fingertips. And mm-hmm. uh, that uh, sort of leads us into the next question. Considering the uh, large amount of losses, at least they're currently scheduled to have this year and maybe even next year, do you think the WWE Network will still be around in two years? Oh, yeah. It'll be around. I don't know in what you know, form it'll be around, but but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be around. The uh, they're going to have to put all the Raws and Nitros on there. They're going to have to uh, make these pay-per-views seem more important. The the network is not going away, but but they're going to have to. Uh, they're going to need to do some surveys and, and and like real surveys, not these BS surveys that tell me got 60 million uh, WWE fans in the country. They got to do real surveys and ask people, "What do you want on this network?" Because when I ask people, 
uh, I get answers. Uh, everything that I get an answer about is something that they're not providing. And and uh, the, the idea that they launch without the raw and nitro libraries is just, like, astonishing to me. Um, you know, no one's buying the network for Legends House. No one's buying the network for Total Divas. You know, you mm-hmm. want lapsed fans to buy that thing, you put on Raw and Nitro. And then you try and yeah. hook them onto the new stuff today and get them watching the paper. I think, you know, because I think originally when they announced it, they said that the Monday Night War, the Raws and Nitros were going to be up in July or around July. And I could sort of see where they were thinking this because they figured, well, what will hook them in March is WrestleMania. And, you know, people want to sign up for WrestleMania. And if you get lapsed fans, you have... 400 prior pay-per-views that they could sit and watch for four months. Yeah, but and then the, the, when... they're, worried, they're worried way too much about retention. UFC is doing fight yeah. pass, and, and they have every single solitary thing up on fight pass. And granted, most people are not watching it, but that's not the point. The point is that people want the ability to be able to watch it if they want to, and they're having zero retention problems. And, and people have to renew every single month. So this should not be an idea of let's trick them into signing up at WrestleMania, then we'll trick them into signing up in, in September by offering them Raw and Nitro. Then we'll find another thing mm-hmm. to trick them into You don't need that. Just give them everything, and they yeah. can throw out their tape collection. They can throw out their DVDs. They don't need any of that because all they pay is nine ninety nine a month, and everything is right there anytime they want. That's what the network should be, not some, some wacky thing where there's always something new. There's always something you got to wait for. That's not what people want this network for. They want it all there when they want it. It's an on-demand society. Who wants to wait? Not a whole lot of people. I'll give you that. No, I I'm, I definitely think it's not a waste of $10. Like, some of the stuff is really cool about it, but is it worth the $10 I'm spending every month? No, absolutely not. Definitely not. And uh, last question here. Uh, will GFW get off the ground and make a go of it? Uh, oh, GFW? Jarrett Steele? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jarrett, Jarrett's I, I, think, yeah. I think they'll get off the ground. I mean, I, I don't understand why Jarrett would be going to all this trouble if he didn't think that they, were, uh, they had something. Uh, I don't know if they're going to uh, end up on, on uh, CMT. That's, that's been the rumor. Uh, nothing has been announced yet, but, I mean, Jared, of all people, has to know that this ain't going to work without television. So he mm-hmm. must have something in the bag for television. And if they got television, they're going to be something. I don't know what they'll be. Uh, maybe they'll be yeah. at the level of, of Ring of Honor. Maybe they'll be at the level of TNA. Maybe they'll be at a slightly higher level. They won't be at the level of WWE. But maybe they can be something oh, that makes some money for some people. I, I, I do think it will be something. I just don't know what. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, Brian, I do want to thank you uh, for doing the show. You are our first guest, and with, uh, with the exception of some technical problems at the very beginning, I thought it went uh, very well. Um, do you want to uh, go ahead and uh, plug your website and uh, whatnot for our listeners? Yeah, if you want to uh, hear more, just go to WrestlingObserver.com. We have shows every single day, and up on the front page, there is a, a little deal you can click to listen to our free stream. It is uh, available 24-7. Our latest free shows are airing around the clock. Uh, that is also up at F4WLive.com. You can find it on TuneIn Radio. And uh, also on the front page at WrestlingObserver.com is the link to the book, Death of WCW. It is out on October 14th. 
500 pages, uh, close to 500 pages on the uh, rise and fall of WCW. So uh, check that out, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. No problem. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else to say to them? Brian, my brother? No, thank you very much for uh, being our guest. I greatly appreciate it. I, I got a nice insight, Seth, on what you were talking about tonight, so I greatly appreciate it. All right, thank you, guys. Uh, no problem. Thank you, everyone listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday night at 10 p.m. when we review the WWE Breaking Point 2009 pay-per-view. Take care and good night.